Welcome to First Importance, the official podcast of the preaching and teaching ministries of First Baptist Church, West Memphis, Arkansas. Our prayer is that you will be blessed and encouraged today by this message. All right, tonight we're going to continue our study of what it means to be a soul winner, what it means to be a to be committed to personal evangelism. And for those of you who have not been with us over the, over the last several Wednesday nights, we have been looking at this through the lens of the great uh, uh, professor at Mid-America Baptist Theological Seminary. Well, I say the great, and everyone says, well, we have him here, Dr. Jimmy Milliken. Uh, but I'm, of course, speaking of Dr. B. Gray Allison, uh, uh, former president, uh, founder of Mid-America Baptist Theological Seminary, a hero to so many uh, people. And just uh, when it comes to personal evangelism, I don't know that I've met anyone like Dr. B. Gray Allison. Is that a pretty safe thing to say, uh, Dr. Milliken? Uh, a soul winner. And uh, it was a privilege of my lifetime, one of the many privileges of attending Mid-America, was to be able to sit underneath his teaching as well and to learn about personal evangelism and his desire uh, to see people saved. And so uh, uh, since he has passed and gone on to be with the Lord Jesus, uh, there is a textbook that uh, has been taken from using his notes. And so the study that we're doing today is kind of a... It's a shorter version of the semester-long class that I had. Uh, I, I remember the first several weeks, we would have to memorize Scripture. But uh, Dr. Allison would just go continent by continent and country by country and just would just spit off statistics. The number of people on the continent of Asia, the governments that are there in Asia, how many people are in a Bible-believing church there in Asia? And then he would say these words, lost, lost. Then he'd move on to the next country and give their statistics. And I don't know how many times he'd given that discussion, but you could see the tears just well up in his eyes as he would say, lost, lost. And I would say to you, look at West Memphis and Crittenden County. We lead the state in the United States when it comes to poverty, to single motherhood. Certain statistics bear out that we have significant crime in our area. You look at all of the things that are going on here. We've got churches everywhere. Church buildings, excuse me. We have buildings around West Memphis with the name church attached to it. But my friends, when I look at West Memphis... When I look at Crittenden County, I think of that word that my friend and forerunner would say, lost, lost. And as we look at what it means to be a soul winner, as my attempt is over the next still a couple more weeks as we look at this, to help ignite by the Spirit a, a, a flame in your heart, a passion in your heart, to share the gospel with those who are around you, to care that there are souls around us that are dying and will be separated forever and ever in a very real place called hell. My desire is that we would be motivated to share the gospel. The first week that we looked at evangelism, 
We looked at our motivation. We have a call from above. We, we uh, have a, a call from the Lord Jesus Christ. All authority has been given to me in heaven on earth. Therefore, go. Therefore, go. We have a call from above. We have a call from beneath. Uh, there are those who are perishing even right now who, who, who are destined, who are headed to hell. And it should be our desire to, to reach out and to step in between them and those gates and tell them of the gospel. We have an incredible motivation to share the gospel. Secondly, we looked at the, a certain musts of the soul winner. And we've looked at personal salvation and doctrinal conviction, certain things that we must agree upon when it comes to evangelism. And then last week, we began to look at the soul winner's method, and we'll be here for the next, for last week, this week, and maybe the next couple of weeks. And let me just remind you last week of what I, what I spoke to you about. I, I reminded you to claim God's promise for wisdom. Do you remember that? You can't go out and share the gospel on your own wisdom. But there's very good news. Your Father in heaven has an abundance of wisdom. He is the source of wisdom. He has all of the wisdom. You, all you have to do is go to him and ask him for it. And don't you know he loves to pour that out upon you? When you're going to share the gospel, you ought to claim God's promise for wisdom. You should claim God's promise for deliverance from fear. As you're afraid to share the gospel, ask God for forgiveness for that fear and ask him to deliver you from that fear. Look for opportunities. Use the word of God. Go as a friend who has something good to share. Avoid argument. Show patience. And then last week we ended with, remember that if we witness, we do not fail. And this week, I want to talk to you really about two things. I want to talk to you about making the approach how do we make the approach to share the gospel? I want to give you some practical input, especially from Dr. Gray's book concerning that. And then I want us to look at the evangelism presentation. And today will kind of be just uh, the basics. And then next week, I'm going to bring out a couple of methods that are my favorite to use when it comes to sharing the gospel, okay? So, First of all, tonight, in making the approach, how do you make the approach? Have you ever asked yourself, really, you know, I, Lord, I know I want to share the gospel with my friend. I'm scared. I know I don't know what to say. But one of the first things you always say is, well, how do I start? How do I make the approach? How do I initiate it? Now, I'm, I am very, very socially awkward. I know that I've leaned into it. The older that I get, the more I embrace how socially awkward I am. And again, when I tell jokes that you don't laugh at and when I make you feel awkward, it really just sits just fine at home with me because that just seems to be who I am. But I know that there's a lot of concern when you go to approach someone. How do I approach someone? How do I not look weird? Or how do, how, how do I approach someone to share uh, the gospel? I think number one, if you're, if you're looking at how to make the approach, I think something that comes easy to several people, and I think that with a little bit of practice, you can become pretty good at it, is casual conversation. Or, do I have any conversationalists in here? People like to talk? I'm not the only one, okay? Don't make me feel like that. There's a couple of us that like to talk. I'm going to start pointing you out. There's some people who like to talk. There's some people who like to, to talk. But it really doesn't take much 
to engage someone in conversation, all it takes is for you to genuinely care. Hey, how are you doing? Maybe it's a, a stranger, or maybe it's a, a, a friend that you've not yet shared the gospel with. If you're looking for an approach, a very easy way is to begin with just a casual conversation and begin talking to that person. And as you're talking to that person, to be looking for opportunities in that conversation for how to share the gospel. So, uh, Within the past week, I had someone near to me in my neighborhood that I've been looking forward to, to sharing the gospel. Every time I've tried, uh, something has come up. It happened again this time, but I was uh, out in uh, my yard, and I was doing some work, and this person who was in my neighborhood came by, and we just began to talk. And as we began to talk, this a uh, uh, person in my neighborhood began to talk about a life circumstance that had been really difficult and it involved death. And I got to get out those first words of, I was like, you know, good, Lord, I'm looking for a way to share the gospel. And then there it is. I was just looking for a way to share the gospel. We were talking about everything. And then this issue already came up in conversation. And so I began to go in and to ask uh, this uh, person, hey, you know, all of us are going to die. Uh, and I sure hate that you've gone through that. And I was just about to say, well, what about you? Are you prepared? When another neighbor came by and stopped the whole thing, right? The distraction, not from my end, but the other person had to go uh, for, uh, for that reason. But the thing is, when you're having a conversation with someone, you're looking for an opportunity to share the gospel. That doesn't mean that you don't really care what they're talking about. Have you ever been talking to someone or they've been talking to you and you think they don't really care what I have to say, right? Or they're just smiling and they don't really, they're not, they may ask how I'm doing, but they don't really care. Just because you're looking for an opportunity to share the gospel doesn't mean you have to sacrifice authenticity and being genuine. As a matter of fact, it's the fact that you really care about their soul and you really love them that is propelling you to look for an opportunity to share the gospel anyway. Casual conversation. About what those diagnostic questions? First Baptist Church of West Memphis has a rich history when it comes to personal evangelism. And I know that many in here are probably familiar with diagnostic questions that you asked during evangelism explosion. What were those questions? Some of my, some of my evangelism explosion folks. Brother Eddie. Do you know for sure if you died today, would you go to heaven? Well, that's a... That's a, that's a question that grabs an attention, doesn't it? And it demands a response. Did you? What would you say if you stand before God? What would you say if you, if you were to die tonight and you're going to stand before God and he were to say, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? Now, my friends, a lot of times the gospel is not shared by a believer because you're not looking actively looking for opportunities. Start a casual conversation. Get to know somebody and then look for an opportunity to ask a question. What about uh, Dr. Gray would, uh, would suggest the question, do you ever think about spiritual things? Do you ever think about spiritual things? 
You know, in America, uh, that we think of those as being taboo, but I, I think that people really want to talk about it. I think that people really want to talk about it. And if they don't, obviously you can't force people to, but, you know, all around the world, people want to talk about spiritual things. And I think in America, even, even now, I think people want to talk about spiritual things. Now, they may not agree with everything you say, but it gives you an avenue to share the gospel with them. What about not just casual conversation, but direct conversation? Maybe, uh, maybe you've got a next-door neighbor that, uh, that you've not shared the gospel with, you're looking for a way to share the gospel with them. You're looking for a way to make the approach. Have you ever thought about apologizing to them for not sharing the gospel with them? Hey, neighbor, how you doing? Doing good, good. Yeah, we're doing all right. Listen, I want to stop by here because my heart's really heavy. I need to apologize to you. I have really done something wrong to you, and I, I need to apologize to you. And I know they're going to say, well, depending on your relationship with your neighbor, they're going to say, well, they may list it off, okay? So you need to make sure that you've, uh, you're right with your neighbor as much as you can be. But they're going to say, what have you done? You know, I, I've walked, I, I've, I've gone to First Baptist Church of West Memphis down here, and I've walked with Jesus for so many years of my life. I've been your neighbor for so many years, and I've never shared the gospel with you. Would you please forgive me? Would you give me an opportunity to share with you the best thing that's ever happened in my life. Now, I know when I say that to you, some of you are going, well, that sounds like a good idea. But whew, you don't know my neighbor. <laughs> Brother Billy lives right across the street from you, so you can go share the gospel with him. But you know, you, know, you think, man, you don't know. How, Josh, how could that turn out? You know, it's amazing to me that we... We put that thought into, apostles didn't think about that. They went out and shared the gospel, got beat, left for dead. They got back up, went right back at it. Hey, who do you serve? You know, maybe you need to apologize to the Lord for not witnessing to your neighbor and to your friends and to your coworkers and to your family. And then after you apologize to him, maybe then you need to go to them and say, you know what, I'm a Christian I've already asked God for forgiveness for this, but I need your forgiveness. I've never shared the gospel with you. You might, you might be amazed to see how the Spirit uses that to open the door to a family member, friend, neighbor, coworker, someone that you need to share the gospel with. Or maybe if you don't apologize, maybe you just come up to them, and maybe if you have nothing to apologize for, you just go to them and say, you know, I'd really like to talk to you about something that's very important to me. Well, that's a door opener. They may not... They may not let you walk through, but it's a door opener for you to go to somebody and to say, you know, I'd really like to talk to you about something that's very important to me and share the gospel with them. Uh, next week, I'll look at a few practical uh, uh, methods that, that, that I like to use when it comes to sharing the gospel. Uh, but now I want to focus on what are some essential things in our evangelism presentation that we, that we must have. Now, I've, I've got two or three in here that I think, yes, this is right. Or, or, these are the three that I would just like to focus in on. But I want to go by Dr. Gray's outline to help give us a framework for the entire conversation. The, the first uh, thing in the evangelism presentation is an introduction. Uh, you, you know, it's, you, can, you can ruin a conversation by your introduction. You can ruin a conversation by your introduction, okay? 
you can ruin it by your attitude. You can ruin it by just what you say. But the first part of any conversation or inter- inter- any interaction that you have with someone else is an introduction and just you talking to someone. The second part of an evangelism presentation is a transition. You're moving from uh, one conversation to the point that you're trying to get to. We've already talked about those diagnostic questions. Do you ever think about spiritual things? May I ask you a spiritual question? If you were to die tonight and stand before God, and if he were to ask you why he should let you into his heaven, what would you say? So you have introduction, you have a transition, but here's what I want to focus on. When you're sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, there are some essentials that you must get out. And if you don't get these out, I say, you've not really faithfully witnessed. You may have been a witness. You may have taken an opportunity to try to lead someone, but unless you've shared these certain things, I do not consider it a full gospel witness. And that is, and I've got it number three here in the evangelism presentation, that is salvation needed. Salvation needed. Your, the person that you're sharing the gospel with needs to know that salvation is needed. You know, some of them don't know that. They don't know that they're in any, or they might have you to believe that they're in no trouble at all. I remember when I was probably, oh, had to be six or seven years old. I'd just gotten saved and was so excited about it and wanted to tell everybody. And my Uncle Larry... Uh, who lived in Dice, Arkansas, uh, who taught me just about every uh, bad word that I knew up until about then, uh, was driving me and my brother uh, from my grandma's house to a place, and I decided it was time for me to share the gospel with my Uncle Larry. And so I asked my Uncle Larry, Uncle Larry, have you ever been saved? And he said, yes, Josh, one time your Uncle James uh, pulled me out from a river I was about to drown in. I said, well, in my mind, I was... Well, that was as far as my little mind could go. I said, well, this is over with, and that got over with real fast. I don't know how to respond to that. Went back and told my dad, and, of course, we uh, uh, talked about it. But, you know, a lot of people don't recognize that they have a need for salvation. Now, they may feel it deep down inside. They may know that something's wrong. But, you know, everyone uh, this day and age feels like everything should just be handed to them. They're entitled to everything. And so if, if you were to ask them the question, what would you say to God when you stand before uh, his pearly gates as the jokes always go, and he were to ask you why you should go into heaven, what would you say? Most people would say, well, why not? I mean, heaven would be awful lucky to have me. People might think that, but a lot of people believe that, whether they say it or not. And you know what? Sad to say, a lot of Christians act like it. They act like they're, they are God's gift to everyone else who are around them. And it is true, you are a gift. Uh, but we need to understand when we're sharing the gospel, people need to know that salvation is needed. They need to know that they are a sinner. You know, I've highlighted in my Bible these passages of Scripture so that when I'm talking to a friend, I can open this up and I can say, you know, what does the Bible say right here? And I'll open up the Bible to Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, and there highlighted in yellow is, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. If we turn the page over there in Romans 3.10, 
as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. And I'd have them read that with my Bible open to them, and I would tell them, and I would encourage you to tell them, you know, the Bible says that all of mankind are sinners. And then I'd flip over to Romans 6, 23, and I'd show them that little highlighted area, and I'd say, my friend, why don't you read that highlighted area? And in Romans 6, 23, they would say, for the wages of sin is death. You see, what I've just taught them is that there is salvation needed. They need to know that they are a sinner, for all have sinned. They need to know that everyone has done it. They, they need to know that sin uh, uh, separates us from God. Isaiah chapter 59, 2. I've got that highlighted in my Bible. Well, the Bible tells us that our sins have separated us from God. And because of that separation, we cannot bridge that gap. Salvation is needed. They must know that there's an ultimate price for our sin. Romans 6, 23. The wages of sin is death. If you're going to share the gospel with someone faithfully, they need to know that salvation is needed. And I would encourage you to take them to God's word. I would encourage you to have those verses highlighted in your Bible. Romans 3, 23. Romans 3, 10. Isaiah 59, 2. Romans 6, 23. To show them Salvation is needed. But you see, it's not a full gospel presentation if you just tell them that salvation is needed. You must tell them that salvation has been provided. And then I'd flip in my Bibles backwards from Romans to John 3, 16, a verse that all of you could probably recite, and maybe even the person that you're sharing the gospel with can recite. But I'd pull out my Bible, and that highlighted, and I'd say, could you read for me what that says? And they read out loud, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever would believe in him should not perish, but have eternal life. If you're going to share the gospel with whatever method you want to use to share the gospel, they need to know that salvation is needed. They need to know that salvation has been provided, that God loves them, that there is a God who loves us despite our sin, who wants to have a relationship with us and has done so at great expense to himself, as we've read in John chapter in verse 16, as you may read in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. Another verse I have highlighted in my Bible, I'd encourage you to highlight in your Bible. When you open that up to that passage and they say, but how do I know that God loves me? Romans 5, 8. God demonstrates his love for us in this and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You need to tell them salvation's needed. You need to tell them salvation has been provided. But then you must tell them that salvation must be accepted. That salvation must be accepted. It's easy to go over these first parts. It really and truly is. It's easy to, to, to hit up what we know is that we're all sinners and to, to even show people from Scripture how we are all sinners. It's easy to tell them there's a God who loves them, but they must know that they must respond to that and that the way that we are to faithfully respond to the gospel, the way that the salvation is accepted is through repentance and through faith. 
How many people have, have prayed a prayer and they've done so just to get out of heaven? And then you might ask rightly the question, is a person who has arbitrarily said a prayer who has no root in their heart, who has no desire to love Jesus or serve Jesus, has any service been done to this person in just leading them through a prayer? You must tell them, my friends, that if you're going to respond to the gospel, you must turn from your sins. It's lacking in the world today. They say, oh, well, your sin's not like my sin, and you just got to accept my sin. No, the Christian isn't happy about their sin. And the Christian who loves the Lord isn't, is less happy with their sin, their sin in their life as they are with others. But we don't like sin. We hate sin. We know what sin has done. We tell others to repent of their sins. Salvation being accepted means that you repent of your sins. I, I have this highlighted in my Bible, Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20 and verses 20 through 21 Paul says, how I did not shrink back from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and to the Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. If there's no repentance, there's no salvation. Let me say that again. For those who perhaps even in this room who have never repented of their sins if there's no repentance, there is no salvation. For them to accept salvation, they need to turn from their sins. In Romans chapter 10, verses 9, 10, and 13, they must believe in their heart that Jesus is the one and only way, that he is our Lord, that he is the way to salvation. If you're going to share the gospel faithfully, you need to let them know that salvation is needed. You need to let them know that it has been provided through God's son, Jesus, who came to live a perfect life. And I already mentioned this in John three sixteen, but I kind of breezed over it. You don't want to do that when you're sharing the gospel. You want to tell them how Jesus came came and lived a perfect life and then died on the cross for them and taking the weight of their sin and their punishment. You want to tell, tell them that, that they must repent of their sins. They must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and they must confess him as Lord. That is, when you're leading someone to the Lord, you want them to know that if their salvation is genuine, they're no longer in the front driver's seat anymore of their life. They've handed that over to Jesus. Jesus is Lord and master of my life. Uh, uh, it's not been a, uh, a controversy during my adult ministry, but I know that when I was younger, the debate raged on in evangelical world that Jesus could be Savior and that later you must accept him as Lord. Uh, I was taught that by uh, my youth minister, whom I love and who discipled me. Josh, uh, you're struggling with this because you've accepted Jesus as Savior, but it's time that you accept him as Lord. Well, my friends, if you don't accept him as Lord, you don't have him as Savior. There is no passage in the Scripture where you to call upon Jesus as Savior. But the Bible is explicit 
that we must call upon him as Lord. He is our boss. He is our master. So salvation needed, salvation provided, salvation to be accepted, and then an invitation extended. Faithful witness, a faithful uh, opportunity to share the gospel ends in you're inviting someone to give their heart and their life to Jesus. And you should do this. You should do this when you share the gospel. You shouldn't shy back at that moment. Don't, don't back down now. The bases are loaded. I know you got two strikes already against you. Don't, don't throw the game now. Invite them to make a decision. Would you like to invite Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life? Can I teach you how? Maybe you ask them, has what I just shared with you, has that made sense to you? And then answer any questions they may have, but extend an invitation to them. Now, I know you're probably saying, Josh, what prayer should I lead them in? Well, listen, you know what the Scripture says. They're to repent of their sins and to call upon Jesus as Lord. If they need help, you can help them. You can lead them in a prayer. But I have found that those most genuine it's already come to them. And they've already begun to say, Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. And they may not say all of the right vernacular and all of the right words and all of the right order, but as the Holy Spirit has already begun to work on their life, they're already praying. They're already asking, but you ought to invite them to make a decision. Well, let me get ready to close here. We have uh, looked at our introduction, our transition, salvation needed, salvation provided, salvation accepted, invitation extended. And now lastly, I, I, I think that you're not finished after someone prays to receive Christ. I think you need to follow up. And there's a few things I think we ought to follow up. First steps after following Jesus, you need to tell that person, now, my friend, you need to make this decision public. You need to make this decision public. And if you want to open your Bible to Matthew chapter 10 and verses 32 through 33, you can tell them why it's so important that they make it public. Why is it important that they make it public? Because if we deny him before men, he'll deny us before his Father who is in heaven. So if they're genuinely believers, then we should tell them, listen, you've made this decision, now go make it public. Go, go be baptized in a Bible-believing church. That's the second thing. You ought to be baptized. Go well, I think, actually, the second thing is go find you a Bible-believing church. Let me amend this just a little bit. Find you a Bible-believing church. Find you a church that they open up God's Word. This is what you want to tell them. Come to church with me. Come join uh, our fellowship. Come be there. I'll go up with you when you go to make it public. And then be baptized in that church. You ought to follow the Lord in believer's baptism. If God's really saved you, if he's really the Lord of your life, the first step of obedience for you is to follow him in believer's baptism. So make your decision public. Join a Bible-believing church. Boy, I got all of that. It's, it's, it's in the order he has, but I like, I'm going to change that order. Join a Bible-believing church. Make your decision public. Be baptized. Read God's word daily. Hey, tell them that. If they invite Jesus into their heart, don't be the person that takes the baby and lays them on the doorstep and runs off. Tell them they need to read God's word. 
They want to know more about that Jesus they just gave their life to. They want to fall more in love with him. They want to give him glory. Read his word. Read his word. Pray to God daily. You want to encourage them to pray to God daily. You know, it may take a little learning to read God's word, but it don't take much to pray. I know a, a lot of uh, godly men and women uh, from the place that I grew up that maybe they didn't have the greatest educational background. They, weren't, they didn't climb the ranks of all of those places of education, but they were prayer warriors. All they had to know was that they had a Father in heaven that loves them and they could bring all of their requests before him. And boy, that was all they needed. They're prayer warriors. Tell them to pray to God daily. And then finally, tell them to tell others about what God has done for them. You want them to be a witness just like you've been a witness. Don't be shy. Don't be bashful. Tell others about what God has done in your life. Tonight we've looked at the soul winner's method, and we looked at how to make the approach, and we've looked at our evangelism presentation. My prayer in here is that every one of you in here and every one of us would be soul winners, that we would be committed to personal evangelism. Next week we'll look at evangelism explosion. We'll look at three circles. We'll look at a couple other methods, unique ways for you to share the gospel but this week, I just want to encourage you to faithfully share the gospel with those who are around you. Thank you for listening to First Importance. It is our prayer that you have been blessed by this podcast. We welcome you to join us in person for worship at First Baptist West Memphis on Sundays at 1045 a.m., where our desire is to love God care for one another, and share the gospel.